proclaiming truth to restore life and liberty. This is The Future of America with your host, Nena Arias. She has proclaimed truth for over 40 years in many nations of the world and now endeavors to restore the values of the biblical worldview that made the United States of America the most powerful nation in the world. Ideas have consequences. They're passed on from generation to generation, forming the culture of a society. To eradicate error, the moral and ethical principles of the Bible must be firmly established in the heart and mind of each individual. Discover how to apply biblical principles to transform your world. And now, your host, Nena Arias. Where is the hope for America? This is the topic that we have been dealing with, and it is a very important question. We mentioned that no one can live without hope. We have to be able to believe in something. We have to be able to live out every single day looking forward to goals, accomplishments, desires, wishes, ambitions. We need this to be fueled on a daily basis to have the courage to face a new day. This is part number two, and I'm so glad you decided to join us. If you've not listened to the first part, I highly encourage you to do so. We are building on past information and past comments that will support the continued unfolding of this topic. We mentioned that the American family was greatly impacted with the two world wars and especially after World War II, which brought devastation, a lot of depression, deprivation, and even death to families. Families that were highly impacted by the absence of a loved one, psychologically, politically, and economically, the nation was impacted. And we see that we are still experiencing the impact of that change. Many people may be asking themselves, where is the hope for America? Because it seems like everywhere we look, things are falling apart. The meaning that life used to have is not very clear. Life has become disposable. Marriage has become disposable. The basis of the values that we used to use for relationships have gone by the wayside. So where are we? Are we drifting in space only? Do we stand a chance to overcome all the hurdles before us to be able to survive as a nation? You see, all these questions are important, but we must also find appropriate answers so that we do not lose hope and we can continue building upon a more solid foundation. But hope can only be maintained as we treasure, search out, and preserve truth. And also when we pass on that torch of truth in the marathon of life to the next generation. Much like a torch or a baton is relayed and passed on in a race, the Olympics 
come to mind when we think about this? Track races, marathons, all kinds of sports events come to mind when we think about passing on a torch or a baton. We must be encouraged by the hope that we see in our generation and in the next generation. Because you see, too many disappointments too often can cause people to despair, become discouraged, and lose hope, and think, what's the use? What's the use? Where are we headed? So we must be encouraged. Let's encourage ourselves in the Lord, much like King David did, as we mentioned in our previous program, and he mentions it in Psalm 42, verse 11. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. End of quote. Evidently for a while, David had lost his praise to God. And he says, I'm going to regain this. I'm going to restore this. My salvation and my God. That is the foundation for my encouragement. And it's interesting that he is speaking to his soul. Now you might say, well, who is speaking to his soul then? We have the dimension of the spirit, which is the deepest part of us. And then we have the soul where we find our mind, our thoughts. And so our spirit must take the lead in guiding our soul. And both of these components will guide our life, our physical life. We have this three-dimensional existence, but the deepest part is the spirit. If the spirit is not well, nothing else will be well. Even though people may put up a facade that, oh, everything is okay, smiles, laughs, apparent success. But in time, if the spirit is sick or weak or confused or not nourished, it's going to fail and everything else will come tumbling down. So we must be sure that our spirit is strong and the only one that can strengthen our spirit is God, because he is spirit. He is the spirit. And he gave us this dimension so we can interact with him. We interact with God through our spirit. When we try to interact with him only through our mind, our soulish part, we run into trouble because the soulish dimension is too superficial and can change and does not really register. It has to be from spirit to spirit. So to maintain hope, we must have a healthy spirit. So we continue answering this question. Where is the hope for America? There are vital and indispensable pillars in every society that must be in place. They must be cultivated. They must be protected at all cost. If that society that nation or civilization stands a chance of not only surviving, but also to thrive. Treading water is okay for a while, but we do not advance if we're not swimming. The most important pillar in any society 
is the family unit, the family structure. And it goes without saying that the family structure is in trouble in America. The health of the family is the main building block upon which everything else in our civilization rests. It is where the human elements for our society are being produced to go out and impact all areas of our society. That is where we form the human character. That's where the beginning of our learning starts. That is the first structure that teaches us authority, that teaches us good management of our time, of our talents, of our abilities. It is the social structure that teaches us how to get along with other people. This is where every human being begins their life. So how important is that family unit or that structure? It is vital, dear friends. It is vital that that dimension is healthy to produce healthy individuals into society. And I must mention that for a family unit to truly be healthy, it must be nourished, cultivated in three areas. First of all is what we were explaining, the spiritual. We must make sure that the spiritual dimension of every family member is in a healthy place. And the only way that that can happen is to help our family members to know God, to know his words, to know his wisdom, to know his love, to know everything that he wants us to know about him. And he has made that provision, which is why more than a mere religion, more than just going to church, it is vital that we become thoroughly familiar with God's word. Regardless of what church we go to, regardless of what community we live in, regardless of what our family background is, at some point, if we're searching for truth, we will find it. We will find it in God. And he explains to us and answers all the important questions. In our previous program, we looked at some aspects of the family unit and how it was greatly impacted by the two world wars, as I mentioned before, and especially how our generation was impacted by the havoc and ravages of World War II. Why do I say this? Because we saw a rapid change in the values that held us together in the family. The fragmentation of the family and the betrayal of spiritual and moral values thrust America down an embankment of moral corruption like never before. We mentioned that World War II ended in 1945. Well, guess what? By the 1950s, we began to see tremendous changes in America in these areas that I've mentioned. What can we say about the 60s, the tumultuous 60s, where all the barriers were trashed, all the values were overrun by a generation who declared themselves rebellious to what they called the establishment. Now, we understand that some things in what we know as establishment can become stale, can become hypocritical, can become ineffective, but that doesn't mean we should include 
the moral and ethical values that never change. They should never change. So these generations started to throw out the baby with the bathwater, so to speak. Did we need changes in America? Absolutely. But did we need to throw out all of our values just because they're old? So we see that the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s thrust us down a path of immorality and rebellion against God's moral and ethical values like this country had never seen. We became unruly. The younger generations became infected with what they thought was the true definition of freedom. So they began to live licentiously, without rules, and just do whatever they wanted to do. And they got into deep trouble, into deep, deep trouble. We witnessed a sexual revolution like this country had never seen before. And things that we only read about in ruined and destroyed empires, like the Roman Empire, that reveled in sexual practices that overran all the barriers that God has established. And this sexual revolution only sent us down a short-lived shockwaves, and they came in rounds and rounds and rounds of short-lived shockwaves, which only served to desensitize society and to numb them for the next wave of immorality which was always more daring, more perverted, and just grew in depravity. And guess what? We haven't stopped the moral decay to this day. And it only continues to increase. Not only is marriage not respected, but the nuclear family unit is not respected, as we're going to see. Not only is the male-female gender not respected. Now we have men, biological men, wanting to be women and vice versa. Women in a female biological body wanting to be men. And it doesn't stop there. There's all kinds of mixtures now. More and more and more people find so-called gender descriptions for themselves. They're called transgender descriptions for themselves. And there is such depravity in the description of those gender choices that people are making. But guess what? They're never going to be able to get away from the original establishment, which is that God made man and he made woman. He made them male and female. That is never going to change. No matter what combinations people want to distort themselves into, they can never change that. Surgery cannot change the gender. Hormone treatments cannot change the gender. And people who are going that route with surgeries and hormonal treatments They have become freaks, and they can't even stand themselves. Many regret what they have done, 
But it's too late. They cannot reverse what they have done to their bodies, to their soul, to their spirit. Unless they come to God, they can heal themselves internally. But physically, they cannot change those things anymore. We are having very disturbed people in society now because the guiding lines for life have not been followed. This rebellion against God that we are describing in the 50s, in the 60s, in the 70s, and all these symptoms are only increasing, it should be of great concern. And we must begin to think, what is our action plan as individuals and as families? Now, we know that the nuclear family has always been and still is the main structure in our society, and it is the most common family structure. The traditional family in the United States is considered a family support system, including two married individuals providing care and stability for their biological offspring. However, this two-parent nuclear family has become less prevalent, and alternative family forms have become all too common. Now, what is that doing to the human psyche, to the human spirit? How do they navigate the situations in life? If the television sitcoms can teach us anything, it's that the modern family structure isn't always nuclear. And this has caused many challenges in our society. For instance, a five-year survey done by the American Community Survey from 2010 to 2014, that's only four years, it counted 10,274 different types of households. Can you believe that? If you can believe that, then maybe we can understand why our societies are so confused. It is hard to believe how many household arrangements have developed. It is unreal how fragmented we have become. There are 50 most common households relative to the household head. There are categories like nuclear, one person, extended, and composite. Keep this in mind. They are, and just to mention a few, would be the married couples. The married couples who have come into a marital contract, a marital agreement. Now, that's not including the couples who have just decided to live together. These are the married couples. Then there are married adults with children. There are single parents with children or kids, one or two kids or more. There are grandparents who are raising their grandchildren. All these combinations are becoming more and more common. There's the parent, the kid, and then a friend or a partner. You can use your imagination who that friend or that partner is. But the truth is that that is a composite household. 
Then there's the householder, a non-relative friend, and partner. There are the householder and a sibling who've decided to somehow form a household. There's the householder and a relative. And on and on and on are the combinations. On and on is the list of these nuclear, extended, and composite family structures. Now, the top 50 are about 94% of all household types in the United States. And as you can see, there is quite a mix. But the nuclear family still dominates, covering about 54% of households. Of course, based on the American Community Survey, these are their estimates. Then again, that leaves 46% of households that are not nuclear and present a challenge in understanding their existential needs. These family structures, without a doubt, are reflecting upon our society and causing the social and cultural turmoil we are experiencing. And that is not even counting the gender-confused individuals that society is validating more and more and demanding that their so-called rights, quote-unquote, be met. Accepting these kinds of individuals in society and giving them social approval in times past would not have even been considered. And this clearly points out what I said before, that these tumultuous changes in the past 50, 60, 70 years is causing us as a society to validate degenerate situations that ought not to be validated by society. Now, that doesn't mean they have not existed. Yes, they have existed. But it's quite another thing for these perversions to receive social approval, which is what is happening in our times. Okay, but before you get too despondent by this bleak picture, let's always keep in mind that the God of the Bible has seen all of this before. None of this is catching him by surprise. Neither is he unprepared for what is going on. He's still God, he's still in control, and he takes the measures necessary to keep the human race going. He has always made a way to continue his master plan for the human race because he's in this for the long haul, dear friends. And we should join him by implementing his principles for life. He's not through with us yet, nor has he given up on us. Believe me, we have not worn out his patience yet. If we had done so, if he was done with us, we would definitely know it. So be encouraged. Be encouraged that no matter how the odds look out there, we can still find hope and solutions and truth because God is still on his throne. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 26 we are reminded, and it says, with man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. End of quote. You and I cannot change the heart of an individual. 
forget it. No matter how much we try to help them, to assist them, to support them, if they don't want to change, they will not change. And that is impossible for us. But with God, all things are possible. God is the only one when people are willing to change their hearts. And this is why it is so important that we preach the gospel, the transforming message of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because that speaks to the spirit of individuals way down deep where you and I cannot go. Only God through his word can go there. And God has always had a faithful remnant that refuses to give up or to turn their back on him. And our job is to keep producing that faithful remnant in every generation by striving to learn God's truth first ourselves and test it in your own life so that what you share with up and coming generations will not just be words. They will be backed up by vivid, solid experiences that you can share with them about the veracity of the truth of God. We must know the truth of God so we can discern his will and implement it in our lives and then pass it on to our children and our children's children. Because see, let's remember that good seeds never die. God's word is the quality of seeds that we need for life so that we won't die. And that does not mean we're not going to die physically. That's not what I'm talking about. The important thing is not to die spiritually and eternally. And God in his word, through the work of Jesus Christ, is the only one that can help us arrive at that level of living. Each child or each person that we meet has a treasure deposited in them that they are to give to the world and it should not remain hidden or uncultivated. That in itself is a bad thing when people do not strive, when they do not look forward to developing their talents, their abilities, their character, to enjoy a quality of life that it doesn't matter if they do not achieve wealth prominence, fame, or fortune of any kind, that they will still enjoy a fruitful, happy quality of life. Nobody has to merely exist. That's awful. We were not created to merely exist. We were created to live and to live an abundant life here on earth and when we go into the next dimension. Always remember that. We're going to continue with this topic, dear friends. Where is the hope for America? And I hope that you will join us next time. Thank you for joining us for this broadcast. May these truths challenge and change your heart. We hope today's topic has truly enriched your life so we can make America strong again. This program is made possible by the generous financial support of our listeners. All donations are tax deductible. We would love to hear your questions or comments. Please visit our website at www.culturallegacy.org. You may email us at cl at culturallegacy.org or write to the Future of America, 
P.O. Box 38456, Greensboro, North Carolina, 27438. Call us at 877-732-2887. That's 877-732-2887. Remember, you are a person of positive or negative influence. What you do today will impact the future.